0: Hello everybody and welcome back to the DieCast Movie Review Podcast. On this episode we're going to be talking about the Disney movie The Emperor's New Groove, which is one of my personal favorites. Also that's kind of why I picked it. Um, So here is the synopsis for the movie. Arrogant young Emperor Cusco is transformed into a llama by his power-hungry advisor, the devious diva Yizm. Stranded in the jungle, Cusco's only chance to get back home and reclaim the high life rests with the good hearted peasant named Pacha. Together, they must return Cusco to the throne before Yizma tracks them down and finishes him off. Now, here is the trailer for the movie for y'all.
1: In a faraway land, there was a prosperous kingdom ruled by a young emperor.
0: Ha! Boom, baby!
1: He had a serious attitude. You threw off
0: my groove.
1: I'm sorry, but you've thrown off the emperor's groove. Sorry. An evil advisor. By the way, you're fired. I'll take over and rule the empire.
2: And one major
0: problem. I'll just poison him with this. Uh, Hey, Kronk, can you top
1: me off, pal? Be a friend? A llama? He's supposed to be dead! Yeah, weird. Take him out of town and finish the job! Now, his only hope is a humble peasant. Stephen
0: Llama! Stephen Llama! Where? Ah. Ah. You kidnapped me! Why would I kidnap a llama? You're the criminal mastermind, not me.
2: What? Tell me Cusco's dead.
1: Ow! Well, he's not as dead as we would have hoped.
0: No! 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 Break! Ha!
2: For your highness, I gotcha. You're
0: safe now. <laughs> <coughs> or not. touchy
1: why did i risk my life for a selfish brat like you
0: now i feel really bad bad llama
1: Ooh.
2: What do you mean? the emperor's got a new look ah! a new partner we're gonna have
0: to work together to get out of this you know it's a good thing you're not a big fat guy or this would be really difficult <laughs> and a
1: brand new groove <laughs> Walt Disney Pictures presents <laughs> The Emperor's New Groove. <laughs> Uh-oh. Don't tell me. We're about to go over a huge waterfall. Yep. Sharp rocks at the bottom? Most likely. Bring it on. Booyah!
0: And so we hope you all enjoyed the audio from that trailer. So, um, is there anything new that... Everybody wants to share. Ben, is there anything you want to share?
2: I am still under the weather today. So I kind of sound like crap again. Sorry about that.
1: Okay. Okay, hey, I have a question for you. Why did you pick The Emperor's New Groove? What what brought you to this film?
0: Um, it's one of my favorite kind of underrated Disney films. That's like a newer underrated Disney film. Um, I I enjoy the humor of it, and it never fails to make me laugh. Um, it's one of my go-to movies if I'm having a bad day. Uh, I like to watch it, which made me really happy when it came on Disney+, Plus because then I can just be like, I can watch it from my phone. Um, and so I was really happy about that.
1: I remember taking you to see this when you were just a little girl.
0: When I was four.
1: That's why I said when you were a little girl.
0: Yeah. Ben, I don't think you were born yet.
2: Yes, I was. I was born in 99. It came out in 2000. Oh,
0: yeah. You were a year old.
2: Literally just read the dates.
0: Sorry, I forgot for a minute. But, yeah, you were a year old. Patrick didn't exist yet.
1: And Ben, I didn't take you to see this movie in the theaters. You were LBB, Left Behind Ben.
2: As always. And that's okay, because I don't actually like this movie.
1: Well, That, that kind of defeats the ending <laughs> of when we talk about do we recommend it or not. But at least we'll have some differences to go about.
0: Yeah. So do we want to start with likes about the movie?
1: I think we should.
0: Okay. Who wants to start?
1: Kronk.
0: Yes, Kronk is amazing. He is the best.
2: Kronk, he may be crazy. Yeah, he's, he's most likely crazy, but he is also the greatest person in the entire film.
1: I don't know if he's the best person in the entire film, but he's definitely the most comedic person in the entire film and probably is the best cook in the entire film. Yep.
0: He is the best cook. That is one of my favorite scenes when they're in the diner and Kronk is in the kitchen and then he takes over for the chef and then he just, the waitress lady just rattles off all these orders and she's like, got that? And then Kronk, he just gets all serious and he just rattles off and like.
2: Diner slang. Yeah,
0: diner slang. All these things the lady just said to him and you're like, oh, it's about to get real.
2: That's the thing. So in the sequel, Krog's New Groove, he's a chef and he has his own
1: restaurant. Spoilers. Spoilers.
2: <laughs> wait, wait, wait. We said we could spoil this film. It's twenty years old. It's been out for people to see. I
1: was talking about the other film.
2: Oh, the other film? It's been out for fifteen years.
1: Yeah, but people tuning into this one aren't expecting us to talk about that one. <laughs>
2: That was a very basic overview of Kronk's new groove.
1: And who does the voice of Kronk, man?
2: I think his first name was Patrick.
0: Patrick Warburton.
2: Yes, that is correct.
0: Who, if I'm not mistaken, I think if you've been to Disney World and you've rode, ridden the ride Soren, uh, before they take you in, there's like a f- flight safety video, which I believe is narrated and done by Patrick Warburton. And so every time I ride Soren, I think that the safety instructions are being read to me by Kronk.
1: I always think of him as the tick. Spoon! (laughs) (laughs) The tick is a superhero show where he plays the, the, the tick and his phrase when he charges into something is spoon, for those that haven't seen it yet.
2: I mean, he has done a lot of things. Like, he was the narrator for Lemony Snicket's A Series of Unfortunate Events.
0: Which is also amazing.
2: Yep, Yep. so Kronk Kronk is my favorite part of the whole movie, besides maybe The Squirrel. Yes, I I enjoyed The Squirrel. Um, Yeah, I don't know why. Squirrel's
0: name is Bucky.
2: There's not a whole lot about this movie that I really liked. Probably because I I didn't like the TV show growing up. I always thought it was super weird. And it kind of like put me off to the movie because I didn't see the movie for a long time until after I had been watching the TV show and I was always like, oh, it's that dumb, goofy TV show. And that was like how I thought of it.
1: I will say this. um, The squirrel is awesome. And it also continues Ben's tendency to fixate on an animal as one of his favorite characters in all these movies. Will this tendency continue in the future? Just Listeners, you. keep notes, and we'll find out. If there will be a movie that has a, a, an, an animal as a main character that Ben does not like, like in the sidekick role, not the main role, but the sidekick role. Just saying, I'm noticing this. I'm keeping track of this, Ben.
2: Just saying, Kronk is a sidekick with a sidekick.
1: Now... Do you like the squirrel, or was it Duster? Bucky. No, Duster. Bucky or Duster better? Yes. Oh, the
0: skunk Duster from from No Deposit, No Return?
1: Yes. Or the little dragon from Onward. I'm going to start to have to... Ben, we might have you come up with a list and rate these guys.
2: The dog horse guy (laughs) from Woochie. That that one's my favorite. (laughs) He has the screen time, the comedy best animal sidekick in a movie that i've seen thus far that we've reviewed.
1: And Ben I'm, I'm serious. I really want you to write down a list of these animal sidekicks and put them in order and we'll and we'll post it up on our Facebook page and we'll see how it changes as the times go by to see if certain animals or critters will move up or down the list. Okay.
0: Just wait till we get to the Airbud movies. <laughs> I've
2: never even seen some like the first Airbud movie. I've just never seen it.
0: Oh, you're going to be in for a joy.
2: I think I've only seen like the third one and then the space buddies and the the, the ones of the little puppies.
0: Those would be the buddies. Yeah, the yeah. Buddies. But we'll get to that later. Um, is, Dad, did you have a like that you wanted to talk about?
1: All right. Well, I, I enjoyed the, a lot of the different actors that were doing the voices. I particularly like John Goodman. I mean, I'm a big John Goodman fan. And he was playing a typical John Goodman part. I mean, the character even looked like John Goodman. And that was a Pasha, Pacha. Pasha, who is the a village leader who comes who comes down to the emperor for a visit because the emperor sent them a letter, and which starts their little subplot going. Of what he, he's going to um, uh, redo their mountain oh. area, their village, and destroy it and put in a water park, Cusco Yes, and so that sets up those two on um, where John Goodman's character doesn't really voice much for his village and kind of leaves, and then, of course, bad things happen to the emperor after that. But uh, John's Goodman's character, like I said, he was, he was the everyman type, which is really what he's, he's good at um, portraying, and he brings out the humanity of the emperor as the movie goes along. And again, Ben, it's one of your favorite things, a buddy picture.
2: I mean, it could also just be because I saw this right after Onward, or relatively soon after Onward, that I was like, man, nothing new here. Yep. Although I will say, Yzma's Secret Lab is pretty dope.
0: Oh, yeah. So, one thing that I've always thought was a missed opportunity on Disney's part was doing a Yzma's Secret Lab roller coaster ride. Because. I think that would be amazing.
2: I'm just saying, it always reminds me of Dexter's laboratory when they're going into Yzma's secret lab. And I always think it's funny because Cusco goes like, Yzma's secret lab, everyone knows it's there.
0: There was, there was air quotes around the secret lab in case you couldn't interpret from his voice.
2: Yeah. But it was like, I, that was probably... One of the things I liked about the TV show was Yzma's secret lab, and about the movie, one of the redeeming qualities
1: in my eyes. And she was voiced by the heavenly Eartha Kit, who was one of the Cat Women during the Batman original series, and um, she does an excellent job voicing the malevolent, um, Erzma. Izma. Izma. I am terrible at pronouncing these names. I'm sorry, Izma. Uh, and. I do love it how, because she had played Catwoman in the Batman series, in the end, she has turned into, as Ben said, we're going to be spoiling it, she's turned into a cat.
0: A kitten.
2: An adorable kitten. Adorable.
0: Adorable. With a maniacal laugh. <laughs>
2: but also fluffy little body.
0: And claws.
1: Yes, kittens are little death balls waiting to come after you when they get older. They look cute, but they're planning how to take you out at any moment. Be nice to your kittens, or they'll take care of you.
0: I do have to say, one of my favorite lines from the movie is Yzma when they're going down to her secret lair for the first time, and she's like, pull the lever, cronk. And and then he pulls the wrong lever, and she's like, wrong lever. It's just my favorite part.
2: I think my favorite thing that Yzma says is actually to Cusco, when he goes like, "How did you get here before us anyway?" And she goes, "Well, actually, Kronk." And then Kronk is just like, "There is no conceivable way for us to have beaten you here."
1: Yeah, because there was this big chase scene where they're chasing him, and just like in the horror films where Freddy or um, Michael Myers always ends up. They're walking, and everybody else is running, yet they somehow get to the building or wherever they're going ahead of them. It happens in this movie, but yet at least they call it out, like how's this happening. And McKevilis says her favorite line, my favorite line is actually two lines, because when they're showing them being chased on the map, <laughs> one's red, one's blue, and they have, uh, Kronk and uh, Yzma. Yzma. Yzma are looking down at their feet, and they're seeing the blue line, the blue like trail, going after their feet, and they both look at each other and shrug their shoulders and continue on, and it goes back to the map. I mean, it's just it's just kind of funny that way.
0: I love how this movie breaks the fourth wall, and it starts breaking the fourth wall from the very beginning of the movie. It sets the tone. like This is very much... It, it breaks the fourth wall. It's a lot of comedy. It doesn't take itself too seriously, and I just really enjoy that. That's why, for me, it's just like a feel-good... Movie
1: and the time with Ben said, What he like and he saw the TV show, and then when he saw the movie, it wasn't as special. When this movie came out 20 years ago in 2000, uh, it was a lot different. Then, you know, it was, you know, of course, there was Aladdin prior to that, but this one really took the comedy level, the um, breaking the barriers, the calling out the different cliches to, to um, a real high level. Either you're going to like that or not like it. It's, it's, it, that's, I think that's where. Some people might not like the film as much because it goes a little bit more, unless it, it goes over the top. I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it's almost as campy as the fourth the wall is
0: destroyed.
1: Yeah, the fourth, there is no fourth wall. It's rubble, and it's as campy as a Batman TV series. I love the Batman TV series with Adam West, so this falls right into my wheelhouse. I grew up ready for this kind of movie. Ben, sadly, did not have that same classical education when he was a child.
2: Well, that's not even why I don't like this. I just didn't like it.
0: Well, we'll get to (laughs) that later. Is there any more likes people want to add? Go ahead, Dad.
1: Tom Jones. He sings the opening song. Tom Jones. What? Michaela, what's some of your likes still? This is one of your favorites.
0: It is. Um... I really like the, I just like basically everything about this movie. I like the dynamic between um, Pacha and his family. Um, I love the dynamic between Pacha and Cusco and as they are able to grow together. Bucky the squirrel is amazing and has some of the best balloon animal skills that I've ever seen a squirrel have.
2: Yeah, for an Incan squirrel, he has pretty decent balloon animal skills. I
0: know. I didn't even know balloons existed.
2: You mean in, in that Inca time, Inca, right? In yeah. Inca,
0: yeah, I know
1: balloons <laughs> exist now, Ben.
2: I was gonna <laughs> say you left yourself kind of wide open there, <laughs>
1: no, but like didn't. you guys are saying, I loved it how the squirrel just pulled it out of it. Nowhere, nowhere, like it had a pocket or something. Starts blowing it up and everything.
0: Classic Tom
1: and Jerry. Yep, it, it reminded me very much of like the Looney Tunes, Chuck Jones, um, type um, animation and um, humor in that part. And that's one of the things I also want to mention is the animation fits very well with this. It, it's it's set up with um, a South American type theme, and it goes with it, and it definitely just has that nice flow all the way along.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's just great. The whole, like, dynamics between them, like, when at the beginning, before Yizma decides that she's going to poison Cusco, um, Cusco has fired her, and so she and Kronk are in the, in somewhere, and Kronk has all these statues of, like, Cusco's head that he's putting on this, like, outcropping thing, and she has this giant hammer, and she's just smashing them with one hit, and ranting to him about all of this and it's like at one point Kronk puts one on there and it's not quite on there and Yzma goes to hit it and she's like a little to the left and so Kronk moves it a little bit and then she hits it again and then another one when she goes to hit it it isn't facing her so Kronk quickly turns it to face her and then she hits that one and it's it's just it's great like they really thought of basically everything at least for me
1: yeah a lot of the gags work very well in the movie and um, they, they definitely took that little bit extra time to go through it. Of course, this movie was originally going to be a lot different and that it had a, it had a yeah. totally different change in its storylines and everything else, which I think you read about Michaela. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it was originally, Oh, what was it called? It's like
1: kingdom of the sun. Yeah.
0: Kingdom of the sun. And it was supposed to be like a more serious, um, movie where a demon or a vengeful god was summoned and then um, was threatening to kill everybody and it was going to be completely a 180 from the movie that it ended up being, Um, which I'm actually glad for because I love this movie and I would be sad if it did not exist.
1: Yeah, because the title in that, the Emperor, who was voiced by David Spade, was supposed to be a minor character and it was going to have a Prince and the Pauper type feel to it where um, they get switched and those kind of things. And I know Ben was talking about um, one, or one episode on Onward, how a lot of times, and he said what this one, like a lot of buddy pictures, there's an overabundance of them. There's also a lot of Prince and the Pauper storylines and movies and TV shows. And just to talk about that for a second, like because this is a buddy picture, I always like to use the example of a magic trick that everybody knows that's a magician. But some magicians will go watch those that are at the top of their game do that trick, even though they know exactly what they're going to do and how they're going to do it because of the showmanship and the the high level of having their craft of being able to do that trick, and they're still just, like, blown away. And the same thing, like, with actors. When they see somebody else just at the top of their game, they want to elevate it or they're just in all of that, or anything, any particular job you want to look at, whether it's a music, art, anything along those lines, when you see somebody at the top of the game, even if you know how they're doing it, it's still something nice to see. So yes, a buddy picture does have certain tropes and things like that, but if it's done at the top of the line, it's really good.
2: Unlike this one.
0: No. This one is amazing.
1: Well, we'll get to that when we get to recommends. Anybody, Any other likes you have? And I think you're pretty much out of likes. Yeah. Michaela, you have any more?
0: Um, I really like when Yzma and Kronk go to Pacha's village. And Pacha's wife, um, let me look up her name real quick. Pacha's wife, uh, Chicha, I believe, um, is there with their two kids and uh, Pacha sneaks up and tells her to distract Yisma and Kronk and so she and the kids end up locking them in a closet and then when Yizma goes to break down the door, she tells the kids, you know what to do. Which implies this has happened before. And then she opens the door right as Yisma goes to run out. The one kid has waxed the floor so she slides. The other kid has like a cart ready. And so she goes out into the cart. And then the young boy is further along down and has a wasp or a bee's nest. And then the young girl is further down along and has, like, a bag of feathers. And then she goes careening off and lands where these kids are about to start hitting a pinata. And then they just start hitting her. Like a pinata. And it's just, it's great. It's like, I remember when we were watching it, Ben said, There's no way they could have gotten that far ahead. Like, logically. And that's just one of the things I love about this movie. Is it's not logical. It doesn't have to be. It's not based in reality. It just has comedy and fantasy. And you just don't have to really think about what's going on.
1: The go with that Looney Tunes thing I was talking about, it's almost like Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck were doing this to Elmer Fudd. And, you know, they just pop up at these different spots and you're just like, you know, they, you don't even think about like, well, why are they there? How'd they get there? You just enjoy the gag as it's happening and, and let it roll off of you. Most people do. Some some people get tangled up with logical things that, you know, if there's, if there's something that's not logical to it, then it just throws them out of the movie. So it's not, like I said, it might not be for everybody.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, those are good for like 15 minutes. And then you're like, oh. Everything that's happened in this movie is just to set up something else that's a joke.
1: Have you ever seen the movie Airplane? No. Michaela? No. Okay. One time, if I can win the thing, we'll do Airplane. And all that movie is is one joke after the other. Um, they just keep throwing jokes at the fan. I mean, the it, 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 at the wall or whatever it is to see what sticks. And it's, it's, if one doesn't hit, the next one's coming just a few seconds later. It just moves rat-a-tat-tat. So if you want to talk about jokes coming at you, that's one.
0: Is there any other likes anybody else would want to add?
1: Oh, I thought we had already moved on to dislikes. Oh. Well, you did like the actress that voiced um, the, the wife. Wendy Malick?
0: Yeah.
1: I you know, just thought I'd mention it because you like watching her on TV and stuff like that.
0: No, I think the only thing I've ever seen her in and on TV is Darrow and Darrow.
1: I stand corrected. I thought you might have saw her in some other movies or TV shows.
0: I might have. I just don't know what they are at the moment.
1: Oh, Benway, so that's the dead why out. I
0: didn't talk about it.
1: All right. Let's go into some things that we thought we could be improved in the movie or we didn't like. I and mean, then who wants to go first? Uh, I'll go first. What a shock.
2: Um, So there's this unnecessary narration throughout the first half of the movie done by, I think you said his name was Daniel Spade? David Spade. David Spade, the, the voice actor that voices Cusco, where he's doing it as Cusco. It's kind of like it's like the first time that they break the fourth wall in the film and it continues for just about half the movie until the buddy part is essentially over. Like most buddy movies, this is the part right before the ending. And then this one just goes on longer because of more comedic things and chases and all, but yeah. So this is the scene where he's separated and alone and, doesn't really realize that Pacha is still out there, just kind of waiting for him. He thought that Pacha abandoned him. So Cusco's kind of down on his luck, being a lonely llama in the middle of the swamp.
0: It's raining.
2: It's raining. He looks depressed. Typical buddy cop. They just split up stuff. And now this like narration thing comes back, and then he breaks the fourth wall again, telling the narration just to go away. And the narration never really served much of a purpose. Except that for some reason they started this movie in the middle. And then went back. I guess they thought that was funny. I mean, it didn't work for me.
0: I thought it was funny. And it's something that they've done with a couple other movies. Um,
2: Well, yeah, like Deadpool does this. um, Sonic the Hedgehog. Sonic the Hedgehog, but they did it in a way where it actually worked. When this one starts, it's just, oh wow, Lonely Llama, whatever. And then it's, it's like, it, it just added unnecessary length to the film, in my opinion. Where they could have just started it at the beginning and it still would have made sense. I think it was just Cusco's such an unlikable character that without it, you just think that he's a jerk. Even with it, I still kind of thought he was a jerk. Right up until the end when he apologized to the old man. Once he started apologizing to people, I was like, okay, he's not a jerk anymore. He has been reformed.
1: Well, that's that's the one negative of having David Spade be the voice actor is he's used to playing the jerk, the comedic jerk in, in TV shows, movies, and that kind of stuff. That's normally his stick. So when you have that voice actor it brings that to it already and then you have a character that's designed with that it, it adds a little more to it so it could be if you knew him as an actor you you'd already you know you are either going to like him or not like him you know it's, it's 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 again this is a film that has a lot of contrast going you know with with um for people for audiences to to, to be like what do I, do I really like this or not and and, and, your, and your points are very justified
2: I will say, as far as a character difference goes and to, like, make things interesting, he is the exact opposite of John Goodman's character, Pacha. Literally complete opposites. Yep. So I'm assuming Michaela doesn't really have any dislikes.
1: So what were your dislikes, Dad? <laughs> so with the dislikes with the film... Um, I felt that some of the characters could have been fleshed out a little more with, with, um, with, if they're, if when they were doing the narration with Cusco, when they're going back, they went all the way back to his infancy and they only went all the back too far. And then they jumped him up. They could have shown how, and they, and they kind of showed briefly in those few seconds, how he was being spoiled because he broke a toy and everybody's handing him a toy because they don't want him to cry. And they could have showed that, his attitude was basically a product of the environment that was raising him, where he never was raised to have that view of beyond himself. And I think that would have established more of um, a, 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 a character line, story better, an arc that would have been more fulfilled. I mean, it was it was very briefly in there, and you'd have to be just looking. I mean, you have to think about that where. Like, it's, oh, this is showing that he's going to be raised spoiled. He's spoiled. because it jumps right to his almost his 18th birthday. And um, I think if they could have just done that, maybe stopping when he was like maybe five or six or four or five, where maybe he was trying to be more of a person that was going to be for other people. But maybe his parents are like, no, you don't do that stuff with them. They're beneath you. And that would have made it interesting where he, in the beginning, wanted to be more... Likable, less of a jerk, but yet he was raised by his environment and by his parents to be that jerk. And I think that would have been interesting then to show that he was able to go back to the way he was before and be more of a human character.
2: I think the line in the movie is like, nobody's that heartless or something that John Goodman says to him a couple of times. And then he, he agrees like unintentionally after saving John Goodman says, Oh, nobody's that heartless. And then he's like, "Oh, I didn't mean that."
1: But then again, I'm I'm trying to look at that little bit because this is a film aimed for children. With, you know, it's a family film, and I think if they would have just spent the maybe I'm talking maybe two minutes at the tops just showing that in his childhood, then it could have had a payoff. Maybe a little bit more of that later on. So I'm talking about in maybe three or four minutes of screen time could have fleshed out his arc a little better. Maybe. Uh, that would have helped you out a little more and help established that he wasn't always a bad person, you know, so to speak, the more he was environment type thing. But I mean, you know, but I, I'm, I'm just looking at, it, but it's, it's hard for me to get really negative and get critiquey with a film like this because of the audience it's aimed at. And when I took Michaela to see it, you know, when she was four years old, she was the target audience, you know, the four to 10 year old, group. And um, obviously she loved it. You know, I enjoyed it because it had enough humor and Chuck Jones type things that I like to keep me interested in it. And, and, and and, and so it's, so yeah, Ben. I know you want me to give more dislikes, but it's just kind of hard when it's a family film like this to go and, 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 and talk about those different details. I mean, it's like I said earlier, It I guess one of the things you could say, because it is so over the top, it is so campy that that could be, like I said earlier, if you don't like that kind of stuff, you're not going to like it. So you could look at that as a possible dislike because it goes so over the top, it's going to turn people off. So it's either you're going to like that or not like it. So I think that's, like I said, it's a double-edged sword.
0: I think that part of the narration flashback happening at the beginning is the movie's way of acknowledging, we're going to break the fourth wall. We're going to be really campy. If you don't like this type of stuff, we're letting you know up front, we're not gonna like we're not gonna set you up for something that this movie's not gonna be. And I love this movie. I don't really have any dislikes.
2: I predicted that. I know. Um
0: I think the only dislike I have is maybe Bucky the Squirrel could have been in the movie more.
1: I agree. I, I liked a lot of *Bucky the Squirrel*.
2: I will say my other dislike: when you see Cusco Topia at the end, it is so underwhelming
1: because he's changed.
2: Like he did not
0: destroy anything; he
2: built ah, a tiny mm-hmm. house with a bird bath that looked like the model for Cusco Topia.
1: I know why it's that way. Why? I read that Sting who they had write a lot of the songs. He was supposed to write more songs in the original format, then they switched it up. And they wanted him to write this end song thing to go at the spot there. And he found out that they were going to destroy this. And for a long time prior to this film, Sting had been supporting different groups and environmental causes not to destroy the land. And for them to destroy another hill to put this big thing on it, he just drew the line. He's like, no, I've been doing this for... A lot of my life, I don't want this to be in this. I don't want to be associated with this in this film. So that's why they ended up making it like a, um, a beach shack type thing, and then have much of an impact on the environment it was you could t- you can thank Sting, and uh, it didn't bother me. I mean, yeah, I was expecting this big huge thing, and then when I saw it, I was like, well, maybe they're still building it, and this is what he's doing for now. But but Sting didn't want to have this big. Um, what did you call it?
0: Cuscotopia?
2: Yeah, that was like a turn-off to me from a cinematic standpoint. Um, yeah. And there are a couple other things. Just like the flow of the film, it was kind of choppy because you would get prolonged scenes in one specific set. Like, there are prolonged scenes next to the, the river or lake bed where John Goodman's character, Pacha, and the llama... Cusco, uh, yeah, are talking. And then there are scenes where it goes really fast through the jungle. And it's like, boom, now you're at the bottom of a waterfall. And then there's another prolonged scene at like a, basically a truck stop diner where a lot of comedy happens. And then the next scene is just like super fast through the jungle. Suddenly, Cusco is alone and lonely. Where they like, they go through different things really quickly and then just drag out certain things where, like, only comedy happens. I mean, the the one by the river was more character development-oriented and developing the relationship between Cusco and Pacha. But then there are others where it's just like, this is here for the sole purpose of comedy. It's not going to develop the plot in any way.
1: Do you like action comedies? Do you yes. like comedy?
2: Yeah, but I don't like it when it's, like, so much of it that it really just doesn't allow you the time to fully develop the characters. Especially when it's a movie that's like this. Because you're you're supposed to care about Cusco and Pacha and Pacha's village and what happens to it and whether or not Yzma kills him, which is a little bit
1: morbid for a Disney movie. And...
0: She turned him into a llama. Yeah.
1: In Snow White, the whole premise is to kill Snow White. The Evil Queen wants to kill her of a poison apple. So, I mean, they pretty First much Of course, she astound- wants her
0: cart cut out.
1: Well, well we're talking... The, you know, yeah, so we're talking... The, the, Disney has a long history of having um, people trying to get killed.
2: I'm simply saying that, like, it underdevelops the characters. Like, Isma's motivation, beyond just taking over the Empire... You never really know what it was.
0: She wants to take over the empire.
2: Well, that's the thing. Like, you don't know why she wants to take over the empire. You don't know what she wants to do with the empire once she takes over. She
0: wants to run the empire once she takes over it. She wants to kill Cusco. I thought she wanted to walk
2: the empire once she took over it.
0: She wants to kill Cusco because he fired her. And she feels underappreciated because she's been his advisor for so long and practically raised him.
1: She was also horrible at that. I know. And see, that, I think, when I talked about earlier of my dislike, if you would have had her being the one raising him to be more heartless, would have, like from a from the child on, would have helped pay off in tying all these things. That's
2: kind of what I'm saying, where you could have cut out some of the comedy in it because they probably wanted it to fit in a specific time area like between so many minutes and so many minutes because it's a Disney film. They probably didn't want it to go on much longer. So if you'd cut out some of these comedy scenes that don't really advance anything and these fourth wall breaks that really they're funny, but there's just too many of them, then it would be a better film cinema like based on actually watching it not just for the comedy or the punchlines based on like actually the characters developing and having a true storyline, it would have been a better film. Instead, we got a lot of jokes.
0: Well, I will have to respectfully disagree with you, Ben, on all of
1: that. Okay, and that's why there's three of us to have different opinions. So. Um, but then why don't we move into whether we recommend this film or not. And and for whatever crazy reason, we'll start with you because we have no idea which way you're going to lean.
2: I guess I'd recommend it. Like, if you're in a bad mood, you could watch it. Well, that's It's like a super, super weak recommend. Like, there there are conditions that have to be met before you would want to watch this movie. Like, you're sad and need something to laugh at that's sadder.
0: So I would recommend this movie to any and everyone, because I think it's amazing, and I think it's a movie that everybody should watch at least once, even if they end up never watch, never wanting to watch it again. I think everybody will enjoy at least some of the jokes in this movie, um, and will benefit from having seen it at least once, um, though I personally have watched it several times. How about you, Dad?
1: Um, I do recommend the movie, as you can probably tell from my analysis. Uh, I do agree with Michaela that it's probably a movie that you'd see once. You know, if you really, like I said, if you really are into the campy over the top, then you're going to want to watch it more than one time because that, that's just the way you groove. But to be honest, its I, I can also see where Ben's coming from where it's just, is it a memorable film if you love the over the top the humor you're going to enjoy it but there's nothing really here i think that 20 years later cuz i would seen this movie in 2000 and i didn't see it again till 2020 <laughs> so it's been 20 years and i remembered what the movie was about but i had forgotten who was in it you know actor wise um like the humor things like all the stuff that's in, you know in between all the or those bits there were just not there. I could pretty much tell you the plot, but it wasn't like exactly like um, memorable to me, where it was like, oh, yeah, that was one of the best things that Disney's ever produced. In my opinion, it's, um, it's an enjoyable movie. It's just not um, memorable for down the road, again, unless you really love the over the top humor. Okay.
0: So thanks, everybody, for joining us for this episode of the Diecast Movie Review Podcast. Uh, did you want to plug the social media, Dad and Ben?
1: Sure. Before we do the dice rolls, mm-hmm. you, you can follow us and like us on Facebook at Diecast Cast Movie Reviews. You can, that way you know what new episodes are coming out. And if you have any feedback you want to leave us, you could email us or send us a voicemail to um, diecastmoviereviewpodcast at gmail.com. Ben?
2: You can follow us on Instagram at Reviews, and you can DM us any questions that you might have or feedback that you might have. Also at our Instagram, Reviews.
0: Okay, so we're going to move on into the die roll. And so you guys are probably wondering, um, because the last two movies that we reviewed, just the three of us, um, had been my picks that I had ended up winning the die roll. And so we have a rule amongst ourselves where um, if you rolled and you've gotten to pick two movies in a row, then you cannot pick the next movie. It's not possible for you to win. So um, in this instance, when I roll the die, if it lands on Michaela one, then it'll be Ben one. Um, And if it rolls on Michaela two, then it would be Steven two. Um, So that way it's fair and giving other people a chance to pick a different movie.
1: And also, by the way, we also do that with our genres. If the same genre is twice in a row, it gets which is unlikely with 12 genres that'll happen, but it, it could happen.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, so here goes the roll to see who gets to pick the movie. And it has landed on Steven 2. Ah! Uh.
1: Finally, I struck gold.
0: (laughs) And so just to give everybody a reminder, the genres that we're going to be rolling for for dad are horror, action, drama, family, documentary, and musical. So is there any in particular you're hoping to get or do you not want to jinx the die?
1: I don't want to jinx the die. I like all the topics or the genres. Bring it. Bring it.
0: Okay, here we go. And
1: it's a drama. Oh, a drama llama! <laughs> uh, I can't wait to pick that one out. <laughs> I will let you guys. will let you guys know later on. You know what the, the movie is. I'm not sure which one now. I can, I can think of like 50 of them. So it's it'll take a, yeah, a little bit to narrow it down.
0: Yeah, and so thank you guys again for joining us for this episode of the DieCast Movie Review Podcast. We hope that you all enjoyed the episode, and stay tuned to see which movie we'll pick next.